We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking auctions on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz, coming back to you once again this week with another solo podcast where I want to tackle another question that I get asked a bunch of the time. Uh, this is something that I want to cover every year. And as I said before we started here, the topic is auctions. So for a little bit of background, auctions are something that I have maybe spent the most time talking about or writing about on the site, I should say, uh, in the August timeframe every year. Uh, I've been putting out a strategy guide every year um, for a long time now, and I have a number of articles that really delve into specific nuances that you'll see in auction leagues that talk about how supply and demand and some basic economic principles are at play in an auction draft. Shouldn't be too surprising, but we really, in those articles, dig into a lot of minutia. That's not what we're going to talk about here. Uh, if you're looking for something more in depth, I would go and check those out. I will have stuff coming out not exactly sure how robust it's going to be this year, but there will be something coming out this year. But the major reason for it is, is that, or the reason why my coverage of it this year doesn't need to be that robust is because the strategies and thought processes and the way that you contextualize your draft is something that should carry from year to year, unless we see something that is a seismic shift in fantasy football. Don't see that on the horizon. So the principles that I talk about are going to apply to just about every league that you're in and every auction. And a reason for this is auctions are always extremely different dependent upon your league. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is leagues tend to have different scoring settings, different roster requirements. So this is going to shift the way in which people will spend their dollars in an auction. And then also, the owners in that auction 
control prices to a very large degree. So they're going to shift the way in which players are valued. And there's a huge domino or snowball effect, if you will, while you're in an auction, given the prices that certain players go for when in that auction, people decide to spend a lot of money. Uh, there's a lot of factors that can make things go very differently. So I'm going to touch upon some of them here in this episode on more of a high level, um, but know that there's pieces up on the site that you can find that will help you out there. So take a little bit of a deep dive here, um, but not as deep as maybe we could go. So first thing that you need to keep in mind, I just touched upon every auction is different for that reason. It can be very dangerous to go into your auction with some preconceived notion of what values players should go for or some list that you found somewhere giving the auction values for players. Now, if everybody in your league went into your auction with that list and they were all more or less anchored to it, you could be okay. But what often happens is I see people who grab their list of values. Maybe they find the ESPN average auction values and they anchor to them and they won't pay more for a player than he's on the list. Well, what happens is maybe in this auction, there's a lot of people that want to come out and be aggressive. And then that person has priced themselves or they've essentially saved too much money and all the good players are gone. They don't have any of the top level guys. They've got an excess budget, but there's no good players to spend it on. That's something that I very commonly see happen. Um, or maybe early on, they're thinking that they're getting good deals. In the first 10 or so players, when the first 10 or so players go off the board, they think they're getting these great deals, but come to find out everybody's overly conservative in this draft. And then They've basically spent the majority of their quality budget early on. Uh, so that's the first thing that I always say is recognize that you're going to have to be somewhat flexible in your draft and you can't anchor to these lists too, too heavily. So people will say like, how do I set values heading into my auction? And I would say you don't set values the market in your auction is going to set the values. What you need to do is familiarize yourself with how you perceive players' values to be relative to each other. So know which tiers you consider players to be in so that when you start seeing players from a similar tier being placed on or being selected for auction, and then you see the prices that people are willing to bid for them, you can use that to say, all right, um, Calvin Ridley just went for X. I view Justin Jefferson to be a similar player. Therefore, I should be willing to spend around where Calvin Ridley was, and you can make certain adjustments 
So that off the bat is one of the biggest pieces of preparation. It's not so much knowing the exact specific dollars you tie to a player. It's knowing which players you think should be grouped in somewhat similarly to each other in your mind, where your tiers are. Then from there, you can go out and maybe you can find the average auction values for the site where your auction is going to be held. And you can see on that site, the tiers that generally form. So look at the players that generally are within, uh, you know, at the high levels, maybe seven bucks of each other. And at the low levels, you know, maybe a dollar or two. And then you can find the guys that you think um, are going at a discount because of that and have them in your mind as you start to draft. So that's one key piece of preparation. Um, the other thing that I will tell you to be super careful of, because I hear this advice a lot and it's just not logical, is people will say, all right, well, your auction might be different. Um, go get the average values from someplace and look at and translate them into percentages some way. So, you know, maybe if you pull up the SPN list and it lists um, Christian McCaffrey at 65 and they use $200 there in their auction, just divide 65 into the 200. No, you cannot do that to say that you're going to spend a percentage of your budget on a player based upon their average auction value. Because what happens is if your league has different roster requirements, you can start a different number of players there's flexes, there aren't flexes in where you're getting those average values from, or you have more flexes in your league. There's not a one-to-one -one translation um, in allocating those percentages. It just doesn't hold. I mean, um, the difference between having a league where there's one flex, two running backs, and two wide receivers versus a league where you have to have three wide receivers, two running backs, and you can play two flex, it really changes things when people actually start allocating their budget and building a team to the point that those baseline values for that other type of league really aren't useful in your league. So that's one thing that you have to be super careful about. Uh, it makes sense on the surface to think about translating the dollars that you see in average prices into percentage of budgets but it add, normally doesn't bear out mathematically. So that's one thing you have to be really concerned about. All right, the next piece that I get asked just about always, or the next item, is should I spend up early for the Christian McCaffreys uh, and forego the later players, or should I save my money and then spread it out on a number of lower-level players? And the first thing I'll say is that's a false dichotomy. There's so many different ways that you can attack an auction and put your team together. But having said that, the single biggest mistake that you can make in an auction among many is not spending enough money early on. And I mentioned this earlier, but if I am too resistant to be aggressive early on, I'm going to have an excess budget but there's going to be no players to spend that budget on. And the other thing that you need to keep in mind is that if you're over conservative, there's definitely going to be some owners in your auction, some players in your auction 
that aren't conservative that go aggressive. Well, towards the end of the draft, they're just not going to have the budget. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It's great that you have the budget, but the reality is you're not going to need as much of that budget as you have. So you have these, this surplus of dollars that can't buy anything. So your buying power in an auction inherently goes down in a way that's not necessarily tied to the actual budget that you have. Just to give an example, let's say all the tier one running backs go, tier one tight ends, tier one wide receivers, tier two players at those positions go, and then I have my $200. Well, who am I spending it on? Because at that point, you know, the tier three wide receivers, maybe somebody like a Juju Smith-Schuster, you can spend a couple extra dollars on. But you're going to see that things quickly whittle away. And then you're going to be spending excess dollars to go out and get Hollywood Brown or players like that. You know, maybe you can get Mike Davis, players like that. And you can string together a team that, uh, you know, has some solid players in there that maybe you got at a discount. But you're going to have so much money left over that you're going to wish you spent it earlier. I see that happen all the time. Uh, and I normally do a couple of drafts a year with some clients for uh, draft day consultants that uh, Denny Carter has run for a long time. Um, lately, I've only been doing one or two a summer, just don't have the time. But I've seen enough of these drafts play out 
to guarantee you pretty much that you're going to have one or two owners in every draft that aren't aggressive early on or are just too frugal and they have to spend their money on garbage players at the end of the draft. Don't be that guy. So to the question, you definitely want to be aggressive early on. I would much rather advocate for players making themselves uncomfortable early on, sinking an extra $4 into that top level wide receiver or top level running back that you want rather than trying to pocket it and save it later. I would rather you sink an extra $4 into Dalvin cook than be able to sink that extra $4 to acquire uh, Naheem Hines towards the end of the draft. You know what I mean? Like it's better served to push your budget early on, on those top level players and like I said, you're going to see that players normally towards the end of the draft start going for much lower prices in comparison to the early players where it makes sense to try to get some of the top level guys versus hold on to that money. Now, I can't give you a 100% recommendation in any easy way without you kind of having read through and looked at some of the visuals in uh, the articles that I've put out to know exactly how things will shift because you do have a lot of situations that you can kind of predict where if people start spending on running backs extremely aggressively early on, that's going to shift the pricing at other positions and at other tiers in certain ways. So you'd have to read through that uh, to get a more clear uh, conception of how this all might play out. Uh, but again, we're trying to be pretty high level. So again, the question that I always get asked is, should I go for the studs early on or save the money? I would say you're much better off to go for the studs. And there are some things you can do there. You know, maybe you don't need to go grab Christian McCaffrey, but you try to get a couple of tier one players at the position that presents itself. You need to be super flexible in auctions uh, because they're so unpredictable. So what I do and I will try, I promise, to do an episode where I lay some of these out. But what I think that the, the next step in your planning can be to think about a number of different ways that you could put your team together if players are going at various prices. So maybe you think about how you could construct a team if it just so happens that people are spending a lot of money on wide receivers early on. Think about how you might pivot if um you know the top six wide receivers are going for crazy prices and this is where you can look at those baseline average auction prices and then kind of tweak those numbers to think about different ways that you could plan for your auction so you know maybe you're going to think about the way that you would attack an auction if it turns out that running backs are going much higher than wide receivers early on and in the middle of the rounds running back prices have dropped but wide receiver prices have held um, fairly close from tier one to tier three, and you can plot out that way. Uh, you can think about how you might react if a Travis Kelsey goes up early and nobody's interested. Um, things like that. So you draw up these different plans. That's another piece of advice that I have. Uh, and actually, I should mention that a couple of years ago now, and you should still be able to find them on the Rotoviz radio feed, and I know that they're LinkedIn a couple of the auction articles that I have I actually did a couple of auction podcasts uh, with Dr. Jeff Budoff, who's done some great injury work for us, but is also an absolute fantasy D 
degenerate. He might be more into fantasy than anybody I have ever encountered. And he's a huge auction player. And uh, this guy is as sharp as they come. Um, So I had a lot of fun talking with him. Like, I mean, he just gets it, made a ton of great points. I had a super fun time talking with him. Um, I think we each like just kept feeding off of each other and learned a lot. And uh, some of the things we talked about, I was able to bring into my auctions that year. So if you're really serious, go look for those too, because I think that will do you well. Um, A simple tip that I have for you is when you're actually in your auction, um, get players like this is a simple thing, but you'd be surprised how often it throws people for a loop. You reach a point in your auction where some teams have all of their players. And as a result, they don't need to nominate anybody. And before you know it, there's only like four or five teams and you have to start nominating people very quickly. Well, what happens if nobody is going to bid on a player that you nominate? You're stuck with that player. So really, you reach a point where your nominations are essentially just you drafting that player. So you should, towards the end of the draft, start throwing players in your queue that you're ready to nominate, that you're going to be okay with having on your team. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck with them. Now, the other thing that gets really tricky for people the first time they're in an auction is on a lot of league software, there's a button that you can press that will essentially make you the highest bidder. There's also a way that you can enter your bids by typing in the dollar amount. Always try if you can to type in the dollar amount so that you don't get stuck not realizing that the price has gone up from the time you press the button. So there might be a situation where it's like, DeAndre Hopkins is at 50 bucks and you hit the plus. Well, two people very quickly gone. And the next thing you know, you you've bid 53 on Hopkins and maybe you had said that 51 was the highest you would go. So that's another like low hanging fruit piece of advice that I have that you can use in the auction to avoid making a big mistake. But Really, those are the high-level things that I think, if you just think about those, should put you ahead of the curve. And just keep in mind that every auction is different, so you have to be flexible. That's why you draw out these different scenarios that you game plan for. Um, Know the tiers. Know where you think players go into certain tiers. And as that auction starts rolling, just start thinking about the typical prices that players are going for in specific tiers and think about how they change. Um, And maybe before your auction, you write down your list of goals on a piece of paper, which should be something to the effect of, I am going to be aggressive early on in the first 35 picks. I'm going to make sure that I at least get two guys that uh, are targets for me or that go at prices that I feel just make sense, that allow me to build a good core on my team. Oh, the other thing I should say, I always get asked, are auctions a good environment for zero running back? The first caveat to this question is, it's got to be a league where zero running back makes sense. But if you're in an auction, a league where zero running back makes sense, oh man, they are just absolutely great for zero running back because... In an auction, you can build your team in any way that you want. You can put together teams that would never be possible in a redraft league. So you really could be able to get three of the top 10 wide receivers 
and then another two players that might finish inside the top 24 and just have an absolutely stacked roster. And then sometimes you can sneak your way into running backs that are going to be really nice zero running back targets or even a somewhat solid running back later on. I also think that uh, this year in auctions, I am definitely going to try and put together a team where I have one of the elite running backs, and I should probably in some of these leagues still be able to stack four or five very high-level receivers in with that running back. Uh, So yeah, you can definitely execute zero running back or similar strategies. Uh, In an auction, you really can put together your team in any way that you want. So don't have any worry about being able to execute on some of the plans that you might set up. As long as you have a couple in mind, you should be able to navigate your auction pretty nicely. Hope that helps. Uh, If there's anything you want us to dig into more, uh, send us an email, give us a call, and I will be back with you and hopefully Curtis and I later in the week. As always, appreciate you listening. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at RotovizFFShow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.